0: On May 14th, I'll be hosting a free support event in honor of Mother's Day. In partnership with Prove and with doulas on my team, we are hosting this space and it's going to be similar to the spaces that we hold for our support groups, but most importantly, it's a safe space for bereaved mothers to come and seek support, validation, and community. You can register and learn more about this event. Again, it's free by clicking the link in today's episode notes. We also have new support groups starting in May from first time loss, recurrent loss, secondary loss, infant loss, and more. View these groups by visiting themiscaragedoula.co or by clicking the link in the show description. Some of our groups are available to register for while others have wait lists. You can check out all of the information for these groups and our free event at themiscaragedoula.co. Now let's get into this episode. You're listening to
1: Miscarriage Stories with Arden Cartrett. Hi, Amber. Welcome to Miscarriage Stories. I, uh, I always like to start these with saying that I'm really sad
0: that you're here, but also really glad that you reached out and are willing to share your story because it's so important to have these conversations. Um, I am going to let you take it away, and I would love to hear your story.
2: Well, thanks so much, Arden, for um, letting me come on here. Um, I am, like you said, I'm so grateful for so many women who have shared on here, even though I'm not happy for what they've gone through. I'm glad that I'm not alone in what I've gone through and can connect um, by hearing their stories and finding, yeah, some parts of familiarity. Everyone's story is really so vastly different and yet you can still find so many things that um, you can connect with when you hear other people talk about loss and so it's nice to have such a wide range of stories to to connect to and um, kind of pull out different pieces and sometimes yeah sometimes kind of learn from other people's journey and how they're going through it. Um, Yeah I guess to talk about my story I'd have to go back to Uh, like summer 2020 is when me and my husband decided we'd start trying to get pregnant. Um, I've always had some kind of irregular cycles and stuff. So I knew it might be difficult, Um, but there's still, when you look back, there's still so much naivety. Like I, I, uh, the, I think, I think the main catalyst for us getting pregnant is that his brother and Um, his wife were pregnant and we're you know you're like oh this would be fun to do it together let's try and uh, you you think that that everything just feels so hopeful even if you know that there might be struggles you kind of want to put that to the back of your head and uh, focus on the possibility of good happy things happening Um, and so we kind of tried to be casual about it but of course that doesn't last long and I was very quickly tracking my cycles very intently and Uh, you know, checking cervical mucus and all the things you're supposed to do. And pretty soon went to the doctor because um, I think it was probably about nine months in. um, I hadn't even really had that many cycles in the nine months of trying. And so it was really hard to pinpoint if I was even ovulating and stuff. And so kind of now it kind of all feels like a blur because this is not anymore the main part of our struggles, but I think basically what happened is we went to my family doctor and then he moved us on to a gynecologist and eventually um, we tried letrozole with the gynecologist and then eventually went to a fertility clinic um, and have continued on letrozole, um, but just with some more monitoring stuff with a fertility clinic. Um, So in the midst of kind of getting in with a fertility clinic, We got pregnant for the first time on letrozole. And so that was, man, I can't say I've been like just completely excited for any pregnancy I've had because I think because of being in the infertility world, you kind of hear about everything that can go wrong. But it was exciting uh, because we had been trying over two years, I guess, at that point, because that was... uh, beginning of last year um and so we were excited but also like trying to be very tentative like okay well let's see how this progresses and we'll see how it goes and I contacted a midwife that um I kind of had some contact with right away and she offered to get me blood work um to see how it was going and (sighs) before Before the first set of blood work came
1: back, I was around five weeks pregnant, I saw some spotting. And I remember texting, uh, at that point I wasn't looking for spotting. Now, I, you know,
2: now I look for it, but uh, I, I remember seeing some pink and I remember texting my mom and saying, hey, just so you know, I'm spotting a little bit, but I know I shouldn't be worried. It's normal to spot in pregnancy. And I think I was trying to talk myself out of it, right? Like really in my gut, I knew that something felt wrong, but I was like, no, like people say this is a normal thing and I shouldn't like stress about it until I know what's going on. And then that same day that I had spotting, I got my first blood work back um, because it's like the testing like 48 hours apart. Um, and that blood work just said I was pregnant, but the midwife was pretty like excited and congratulatory and whatever. And so that kind of made me think like, well, maybe I should be excited. Maybe everything's going to be fine. And um, the next day the bleeding got worse. Um, but really at that point, all I could do was wait for the second blood test to come back. There wasn't really anything, um, anything else to do. And then, so I was just home that day and um that day i think of all my miscarriages that day was the most traumatic because i was alone and i didn't have a sense of if i should try to hope
1: or if i should <sighs> like i think i knew looking back that the baby was gone
2: but but everyone else kept acting like well no you like like be hopeful, it could be fine, it could be normal, and every time I went to the bathroom, there was blood again, and i but was I was trying to listen to what my midwife and my mom were saying and um but by the end of that second day, then I got blood work back um quicker that time, and she said that the the the, the pregnancy hormone had already gone down
1: um and so that confirmed miscarriage um. So that was hard, but I think I kind of just tried to,
2: I just wanted to move on. I just want, like I, the first question I had from the midwife when she called and said that I was miscarrying was, okay, when can I try again? And um, she said that because it was so early, like once I had another period, I could try right away. And I uh, kind of, almost didn't process it as losing a baby because I just told myself it was so early there like things so many things can go wrong it was almost inevitable that you're going to go through this at some point so many people have this and I just kind of tried to brush it off and I really didn't process the disappointment or yeah how traumatic that day was of just like bleeding and not knowing what was happening um Because looking back, I have so much compassion for myself in that situation, but in the moment, it's just like, no, okay, put your head down, we're going to move forward and we're going to figure this out. Um, And so it took a couple more rounds of letrozole again to um, get pregnant again, but it did happen fairly quickly compared to what we had been experiencing. And we got pregnant again in hmm, end of April. Um, and that pregnancy, we got blood work done right away again. And my blood work was going up very nicely. And I was told that, you know, last time was probably just a fluke. There's like, most likely this is going to be, um, a totally normal pregnancy. Like, like they weren't even calling it risky or anything, right? It was just, this happens to lots of people and that your last pregnancy has nothing to do with how this pregnancy will go. And so, I really, really just tried to put that experience out of my mind, or I thought I was, I guess, uh, putting that first experience out of my mind and just be hopeful about this pregnancy and kind of like, oh, maybe we're almost at the end of this road of having tried so long and having the miscarriage. And now, like, it's all going to be worth it. We're going to get our baby and it's going to be fine. And, um, I was able to book an early ultrasound, which um, in my community, usually you have to wait uh, till 12 weeks, but they let me do one around eight weeks. Um, I think it was kind of a combination of having such irregular cycles and then also the miscarriage the last time, just to kind of see how things were going. So I was really glad about that and mostly just excited, like, oh, we're going to see the baby earlier than... Lots of people get
1: to and kind of will get some reassurance. And um, I like within a couple weeks was bleeding again um,
2: and I drove straight to my mom's house when, <laughs> when I started bleeding because I was like, this time I'm not doing this alone. And I, I drove to her house and she's like, well, you could ask for more blood work and just kind of see where things are at. Um, and so I went and got blood work that day and they actually got me the results, like within a couple hours, and um, my hormone levels were still going up. And so they said, it's probably fine. Um, uh, especially like just keep monitoring if your blood bleeding gets worse or less in the next couple of days. And my bleeding actually went away. Um, I think I spotted a little bit the next day and then there was nothing. And so, um, that day was. Scary, and suddenly I realized how much anxiety I was actually holding on to from my miscarriage and how, um, how much I almost felt like I was trying to kind of ignore that baby and ignore the hope we had for that first pregnancy. Um, and I just became a nervous wreck for the next few weeks. I ended up actually going on some anxiety meds, um, uh, that my, my doctor actually helped me kind of figure out what the best one is for if you're trying to get pregnant or if you are pregnant. And so that was really helpful. Didn't really help during that pregnancy, but it's definitely whatever, everything I've gone through since then, it's helped a lot to kind of help me feel a little more stabilized and less, um, on edge all the time, I guess. Um, but, yeah, every time I went to the bathroom, there, there'd there be, like, some days where I was going to the bathroom, like, every five minutes because I was sure I was bleeding. And then the next day, I'd be, like, I'm not even going to, like, I'm going to try to avoid the bathroom because I don't even want to know if I'm bleeding. And that's kind of, that's all I was thinking about
1: constantly was just if I was bleeding. um, And still now, like, even... Even when I know
2: I'm supposed to be getting my period, or um, I, had, I had kidney stones in January, and like any blood and the bathroom um, still makes me feel kind of anxious. And it's still something I'm trying to process and figure out how to kind of, I guess, desensitize myself to, or I don't know, because it's just like my whole body just gets icy and I feel so. Like my tight, my chest gets tight, and um, and from yeah, from what I've read from other women, it is a very common experience. Um, but no one's gonna prepare you for that ahead of time, and so it was very uh, disorienting to kind of be having such a happy experience and being hopeful about this pregnancy, and yet really really actually being terrified a lot of the time, even if that's not what I wanted to admit was happening or how I was feeling. And we um, wanted to feel really excited. Like we told our family quite early. We told them, I think at like seven weeks, we told all our siblings um, because we really just, we wanted to be hopeful and we wanted to be excited Um, and we didn't get to experience that excitement of like announcing to people the first time. And we, we so, we so badly wanted that. And his, his brother, uh, that they had been pregnant. And this is why we had started trying. We're now pregnant with their second baby. (laughs) And so we wanted to like celebrate with them. And so I made little onesies that said something about cousins and I gave them a onesie and we, we had a onesie and we were going to be pregnant together. And this was going to be a great thing. And so, um, the morning of my ultrasound, um, oh, well, it ended up being around nine weeks that I went for the ultrasound. Um, just because of booking stuff. Um, the morning of my ultrasound, I wrote in my journal. And I said, today I get to see you, um, uh, writing to my baby. Today I get to see you, and I hope they're going to tell us everything's okay. I hope all we have is good news today.
1: And I really, really did. I really thought I believed it. Looking back, I think I was just working
2: as hard as I could to put any bad thought out of my head because I thought that that would harm the baby if I was thinking those things. Like not Not even the whole, like, oh, anxiety isn't good for pregnancy, but just, like, almost superstitiously right like if like I can't think bad things because it'll make the bad things happen um I went for the ultrasound the tech was super friendly um and she kind of noticed that I was seemed nervous and I said something about how I'd had a miscarriage in January and she said oh, okay well ho- like hopefully everything's gonna be okay this time and she couldn't find anything when she did it on my belly which Now, now I know is kind of a scary thing. In the moment, I was like, okay, well, it's early. It's probably fine. She did, so she got me to go to the bathroom. When I came back, the atmosphere changed. And I told myself I was imagining it. I told myself it's probably fine. I'm just nervous. It's like, it's okay. But now looking back, I know that she probably already knew that she probably wasn't going to have good news for me. And all she said after she did the internal ultrasound, she she like didn't show me the screen or anything, which I knew it was going to be, I was going to get the news from my midwife. But um, all she said was, well, I'm going to try to get this information to your midwife as soon as possible. So you can, how does she say it? So, something like, so you can move on with your day or something. And I was like, that does not sound positive. But I also still was like, well, she's not supposed to say anything positive or negative. Like, I, <laughs> I just kept like arguing with myself in my head and I went straight to my mom's house again and I cried to her and I was like, I think something's wrong. Like that just didn't seem right. She seemed so serious. And she's like, well, I can't tell you anything. It's probably fine. And but, like, yeah, I don't feel like I can trust people anymore when they're like, oh, you don't need to worry about things because guess what? <laughs>
1: But, um, so my mom called me down, I went home, and pretty soon after I had got home, I got a phone call, um, it just
2: (laughs) sucks so bad, because (laughs) in my journal, I had written and said, I hope we get good news today, and when my midwife called, she said, hey, Amber. I have to tell you, I don't have good news for you. And it felt like she just like, yeah, like it felt like she had read my journal. I was like, well, too bad for you. <laughs> and she was very sweet, but I don't remember much of what else she said. Um, because it just felt like a bad dream. Like, it, like it was like, everyone said this couldn't like, that we were going to be fine this time. Like, all the medical professionals, all our family and friends, like everyone told me I shouldn't be worried that I should just be positive. And so it didn't even feel like reality
1: when she was telling me it was bad news, even though that's what I was so afraid of this whole time. Um, um, So she said the baby was measuring
2: around more like eight weeks which I thought, like, at first, as she's saying it, like, I'm having this conversation still in my brain. Well, like, maybe I was just off on my dating. Like, how could that be that bad? And, but then she said that they couldn't find a heartbeat. And at eight weeks, if you can't find a heartbeat, um, that's, uh confirms a missed miscarriage. Um, so it would probably been about
1: a week since the baby had passed away. Um she right away wanted to start talking
2: about, like, so you could do a DNC or we could do misoprostol or, um, and I kind of just said, like, hey, can we talk about this tomorrow?
1: I can't, I can't process, like, <sighs> like, it just, I just felt so heavy
2: suddenly knowing that there's, my baby wasn't even alive anymore, but was still
1: inside me. Like, I just felt like, like I felt like I wanted to like tear off my own skin because I
2: felt so uncomfortable in my own body, and yet like wanted to keep my baby there as long as possible. And the idea of right away talking about how we were going to get rid of my baby felt so uh, cruel. Like it felt, and I know she was trying to be helpful. I'm not. I'm not angry with her, but it was just an awful conversation to have. Um. So my husband wasn't going to be coming home for a few hours, so I actually decided not to call him right away. Um, so once again, my mom came over and we sat together until my husband got home. She walked, yeah, probably one of like, that day was definitely full of some of like the most visceral memories I have about the losses. Um And when my mom walked in the door, she is not an emotional person. That's why I go to her because she stabilizes me. Um, But she was bawling when she walked through the door and she said, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. And we just hugged and cried together. Um, Which felt like it felt nice that someone else was also so angry about it. But it also was so unnerving to see my mom so overwhelmed by it because usually she's the person that like calms me down and says no no it's not that bad it'll be okay and um it really it made me feel the weight I guess of how awful this was that we were having a second miscarriage and like this was supposed to be the day that was going to give me my good news to kind of like give me the push to keep going and now um now this was the day to
1: find out that we'd have to uh, say goodbye to this baby too. So when my husband got home, um,
2: one of the first things he asked me is, "Well, shouldn't we be getting a second opinion?" And I suddenly felt like, well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I misheard her. Maybe, like, it kind of made me second guess myself. But we, we talked the the next day. We talked to the midwife, and they kind of explained again how this does confirm that your baby's gone, and like, you don't have to feel like worried that we missed something, like we're very thorough and they actually let us see the video of the ultrasound um, later on, which was also helpful because um, you can just tell, right? Like the baby wasn't moving around when they moved the ultrasound around and there was no um, flicker or anything like that on the screen. And so I think that also helped me feel like because we've had other people say that too and we've told them this story like well how do you know the baby was gone like almost like we were like giving up or something it's like you have no like you have no idea how much we wanted this baby if there was any way of keeping this baby alive and being able to have it in our arms like we would have we would have figured that out and so um it's yeah it's hard when other people like second guess that it's been a very strange experience actually but Um, It helped my husband to be able to hear it directly from other people and, like, understand that this was, uh,
1: that it was over and we needed to figure out how to, yeah, how to take care of it. I, at first, was so sure I wanted a DNC
2: because I didn't want, I had such bad memories of bleeding at home alone. And so I just wanted to be in a hospital. I wanted them to deal with it. Um, but um, I guess surgeries or something was backed up um, in my area. And so like my midwife called around to a bunch of different hospitals and they all said that it would take longer than two weeks for me to get in anywhere. And I wasn't going to wait, <laughs> like just be pregnant with my dead baby for weeks. Um and so we kind of were corralled into needing to take misoprostol. Um, that experience was also so strange. um going to get that medicine because um, I'm in Canada. Uh, and so this was like right around the time that Roe v. Wade was blowing up in the States. And this and people were very nervous about being able if they needed to have abortions Um, And it was just so interesting to to just be able to just go to my pharmacy, no questions asked and they give me this drug. And um, I felt very privileged actually to be able to be taken care of that way even though I did not want to be going through this. Um, um, Yeah, and they were very helpful. They They gave me one drug that they said, I don't remember what that one was but it lowers your progesterone first.
0: I pronounce it horribly every time, okay. um, but it's like uh, myfa something. Myfa. Okay, it it's looks, a different
2: M one. Okay. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. Um, I will put it in the notes of the uh, episode. That way, people can like actually go and get the correct name of the medication because I know I do not say it correctly. But I know <laughs> sure. what you're talking about.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like the reason I think they gave me that was because. Um, like partly because my blood work was still all going up. My body was still trying to grow this baby. Um, but also just the doctor that happened to prescribe it to me said that that's how she likes to do it because it just kind of eases the body in. And so I am glad for that because my mesoprostol experience does seem like it was a lot easier than I've heard a lot online. Um, I've heard a lot of scary stories. <laughs>
0: And a big thing with that, so there's actually a lot of um, data that shows that putting both of those medications together increases the quote unquote success of taking the, the mesoprostol. And so it okay. kind of yeah. it helps that experience not be like hemorrhaging on the bathroom floor. Um exactly yeah but in the states it is even more restricted um in states that don't even have um necessary bans on um any sort of abortion and so it's it's harder to get that medication in the states than it is to get the misoprostol so oh, that's wow. why i feel like it's not di- not um treated that way often but some states that's the way that they treat miscarriages so right it's so complex um but I'm glad. I'm so glad that you had access to that, and uh, I think that that it makes or breaks it uh, an experience for sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I I wouldn't say that my mesoprostol experience was easy by far, um, but it was um, simple by many standards. <laughs> um, so I took the the progesterone one right away when we picked up the the prescription that day and then the next day my husband took off work and so this was also what I liked about this experience is it was I well as much as I could I knew what to expect my my midwife was very honest that this was going to be a lot more like labor than a heavy period Even though all the papers said that, oh, well, you'll bleed and cramp a little bit, blah, blah, blah. But she actually, like, really talked me through it. She said, if you need anything, like, give me a call. And I mean, now looking back, if I'll ever have to do that again, I think I will make sure to have someone else there than just me and my husband so that they can, like, (laughs) help my husband through helping me. Because it really is like birth. And for birth, you have a lot of support people. Um, Well, it's not like birth. It is birth. (laughs) Um. Yeah, it is birth. And I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, But you think that you're supposed to kind of downplay it or like, we're just going to get this over with because there's, no, why? Well, I think because it's not a happy experience. And so you don't think about gathering people around that. In our culture, we want to kind of avoid the things that are sad and hard. And so you think you need to seclude yourself and you need to, kind of not um reach out to other people and you reach out to people and you have good news not bad news (laughs) um and so yeah if I would have to go through a miscarriage like that again I I honestly do think I would look for someone that could be there like a miscarriage doula or um um like this midwife that I am close with would probably come if I asked her to but I just didn't even think of that being an option you just don't you just don't know and so um uh, the day my husband took off work, I took the misoprostol, and within an hour, I just had one big contraction that lasted over an hour, and it never let up. Um, I was just rolling around on the bed, screaming. At one point, he called the midwife, and we were trying to like understand if this was normal because I wasn't even bleeding yet, um, and so it seemed so strange that I was having such intense pain um but she said like no this probably just means it's going to happen quickly and like it's not it shouldn't last much longer um and that was true after about yeah just over an hour I went to the bathroom um because I kind of felt like it had calmed down and I and I thought well I'll just go check if there's any bleeding it wasn't like, I didn't think anything was happening yet at that
1: point. But um, when I went to the bathroom, um, I felt something
2: coming out pretty quickly, like, kind of right when I sat down, and I reached my hand
1: down and caught my baby. <laughs> um, I don't know how I even had the
2: wherewithal to do that um I've talked to so many women who um end up seeing their baby in the toilet and for some reason yeah I just felt something and felt like I needed to grab it and I right away called my husband and asked me to grab a container so that I could um put the baby in there the baby was inside the sack um completely still intact um and I didn't look at it right away. I put it aside because then lots, lots of bleeding was coming. And so I kind of cleaned myself up, got a big pad, made sure I was kind of ready to go rest for a bit. And then um, went to look at the baby and uh, me and my husband had talked a little bit ahead of time. Like, what will we do if we see a baby? Like, do we want to look at it? Do we want to just not not deal with that and my husband kind of said that like he's fine if I want to see it but he doesn't think he wanted to
1: um but then when I uh looked at the baby I just kind of cried out and was like "Aaron, it's
2: so perfect <laughs> um and then he's like okay okay I'll come see you. <laughs> and so we both we both kind of inspected the baby as much as we could kind of in the sack and we saw um, little feet and little hands and um, we cried together really only for a short little bit, actually, um, because it really was more like, wow, we made this. Like it was quite incredible to like, because I think after having had a miscarriage, after going through infertility, there's still always a bit of imposter syndrome. Like, is this real? Am I making this all up kind of feeling? And, to see our baby right in front of us and like know this like this is as monumental as it feels like this is a big deal. (laughs) Um, And so for the next few hours, honestly, I just sat and looked at our baby. Um, I do have like, you know, a feeling in my heart about what I think each baby's um, gender was. Not that it matters, but in my head, it helps me imagine who they are a little bit more. And so I was quite sure the first one was a girl and I was quite sure the second one was a boy and um so it's kind of just easier for me to refer to it as him but we don't know that through any like testing or anything um
1: and so yeah I kind of just sat with a baby and um I, I don't know if this is too gory
2: but I uh figured out how to open up the sack so I could see the baby and I could tell that, um, I guess like some of the tissue was dying, like, cause I could kind of see that it was kind of falling apart a little bit once I opened it up. And then I was kind of like, okay, I'm not going to look at this anymore. And we wrapped, we wrapped him up in some tissues and I made a little box, um, uh, just out of paper so that we could bury him in the backyard, um, by a lilac bush that I have. Um, which felt so strange. I remember <laughs> it was just a weird day. I remember saying to my husband, cause he dug this tiny little hole and I put the box in and I was like, wow, that was easier than burying a pet. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, I mean like physically, like we didn't have to, <laughs> we didn't have to dig a very big hole to do that. It is awful and horrible and way harder than a pet, but <laughs> it was just like a weird, not something I'd ever expect to do, but it's uh yeah it's just how I felt like we could still feel close to the baby and at that point we were told we probably couldn't get any testing done and stuff anyway and so it was just a nice way to feel like our baby was still nearby to um bury him in the backyard so it feels so strange to have to make those kinds of decisions and do like sometimes I'm even like worried to tell people that that's where we buried him because maybe someone will think it's strange or like not want to spend time in our backyard but everyone's totally fine about it and is understanding um but yeah not an experience I would have ever thought I'd have to um yeah a decision I thought I would have to make where to bury your child um uh yeah so The recovery from that one was definitely a lot more intense emotionally. Physically, it was okay. I bled for, um, I bled heavily probably for a week or two, but I never had um, anything that was concerning. Um, And so I was able to recover at home and was able to test my uh, HCG all the way down. And so that's how we confirmed that. well, that's how we confirmed that everything was good. And I also ended up then later having a HSG, the uh, saline uh, scan to see that everything is clear, like with tubes and everything because of the combo of miscarriages and infertility. Um, and so I've had a lot of testing since then, I guess, for all kinds of stuff. And so there just wasn't any, any like specific ultrasound to check about stuff, but it seemed like it kind of all...
1: Um, yeah, that everything had gone okay. Um, so the summer, we kind of took a bit of a break from trying. And
2: I ended up focusing a lot on art. Um, I've never been an artist before, or never would have considered myself an artist. Um, but I created a little... Um, like the free little libraries that you see um, people have kind of at the end of their driveways I created a free little art gallery you can find I I found it on Instagram you can find lots of them if you look it up Um, just to share art with people in my community and so because I made that I was like well I guess I have to make stuff to put in there and so I spent a lot of my summer days actually creating um, different kinds of art and some was some things were very specifically to honor my babies. I chose flowers that represent each of them and um, would do a lot of art that included that. And, um, but some stuff was just, you know, trying different things and just finding ways to keep my mind busy. while I kind of let time pass. Like it almost is just like, I don't like the whole like time heals all wounds, but like in some ways, like you just need some time to go by. Let, and um it doesn't fix it but there's kind of nothing else to do and so yeah just tried to keep busy with things for a while until we felt like we could try again i have no idea where i heard this it might have even been you that said this but um i remember at one point wondering if i could go through any more miscarriages because kind of getting pregnant again that feels like what i'm opening myself up to now right like that's that feels like more of a possibility than a healthy baby at this point. Um, and I, I heard or read somewhere, someone said, you don't need to wonder how many more miscarriages you can go through. You just need to decide if you could go through one more. <laughs> um, and we decided that we thought we were ready to try again. Um, that was in August. And we got pregnant right away again on letrozole. Um, We seem to be very fertile once you add letrozole into the mix and suddenly everything works. Um, And that pregnancy, I think, would have been considered a chemical pregnancy. So the tests kind of never got very uh, strong positives. And within a week, I was bleeding. Um, At that point, my husband's sister was pregnant so now both my sister-in-laws were pregnant and I was so hoping that like maybe we were going to join them in this and um very quickly realized that that wasn't going to be a viable pregnancy um and so then once again um we kind of took a little bit of a breather partly by choice and partly um I had to take a break from the letrozole to let that miscarriage pass. And then my cycle gets all messed up and then we kind of have to wait till we get everything back in order. Um, At that point, my fertility clinic let us do some more testing because that was the three miscarriages. And so now we could do the repeat loss testing um, which most everything has come back normal. Um,
1: We have added, progesterone suppositories and baby
2: aspirin for if I get pregnant again. Um, I'm still unsure about the progesterone suppositories because they only want me to do it once I have a positive pregnancy test. And so I still don't know how much hope I have for that. Um, Who knows? Um, But yeah, they haven't really found anything specific. And I mean, again, still so many doctors that we've talked to, um, are like, well, like two of those miscarriages were so early. It's probably going to be fine. Um, and you'll probably get pregnant again. Um, and so we are, we are trying lechazole again. I actually just went and checked to see how my eggs are developing and I have two eggs that are going to ovulate anytime. And so I have to, (sighs) I mean, I don't have to try again, but that is what we're doing right now. And I mean, even just all day thinking about coming to talk to you, I've, I've been like thinking about, man, what if I'm going to be pregnant in the next couple of weeks? Or what if I'm not going to be pregnant, which is worse? I don't know. (laughs) It's just, uh, yeah, it's hard to process where we go from here.
0: I feel like the fear of what if I get pregnant again, what if I don't is such a big thing whenever you've had recurrent pregnancy loss and it's so confusing. It's really hard to cope with. And I feel like people don't get it unless they get it. Um, it's just, yeah, it, it, both options are stressful for their own reasons. And it's just really hard to cope with that. Um, so I completely, I completely hear you. And I felt that way in all of my pregnancies after my first loss. Um, and mm. it was just, I totally get that.
2: Yeah, and people just they want to be excited so badly because that's all they know about a pregnancy announcement right like they
1: yeah
2: that's how we treat um we treat pregnancy announcements like it means you're gonna have a baby in nine months which would be ideal if that's always how that went <laughs> um totally. but yeah when we've told you, when we've told people like especially in September when we were we were telling our family right away it's like hey we just got a positive test and we're really stressed out and they're like no no it's good news and like actually it doesn't feel great right now. Like it's it's very scary and and it was just it was ended up just being really sad and disappointing and um even even then people don't seem to get it. Like when I've said I'm kind of nervous about getting pregnant again, they're like, "Well, isn't that what you want?" and like almost no. I almost don't want to be pregnant. I just want a live baby.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. If I could just get to the living baby without the pregnancy, I would do that.
0: I I have said multiple times that I feel like my infertility and loss journey taught me that I do not want to be pregnant. I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to have to go through all of that to get the living child. I just want to like wake up and it be the time for my living child to be born and for it to be a biological child that I did get to carry and I had a good experience, but I don't remember any of it. Like Yeah. That would be the ideal situation. Um, because I think that we realize how fragile life is, how scary pregnancy is, how many things have to go right. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's overwhelming. It's terrifying. It's filled with trauma. I mean, you know, going back to you talking about blood, I feel like that is such a big, like trigger for so many people, but there's so many layers to it because it could be blood in pregnancy after you've had blood in pregnancy and it ended in miscarriage. It could be your period just reminding you of what it was like to miscarry. Um, I, I mean, I think that blood is, I know it's my number one trigger and it's interesting because it is so different for everybody that experiences it, but you're constantly afraid whenever you go to the bathroom that you'll see blood, even if you're in the middle of a cycle, like it, it's it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So I, I I want to say, I relate to that. And I, I, you're not, you're not crazy for that. That's just your body remembering (laughs) what you've been through. And it's kind of like in fight or flight mode of Ready to fight at any time, you know, and and so you're always on the lookout, um, which sucks, totally sucks. Yeah,
2: (laughs) yeah.
0: Man, what a bad, you know, it's it's so hard to go through all of this and then to get testing and all the testing to also be normal, and and you know, doctors are like, oh well, you had two early losses, and so it's probably not going to happen again, but nobody (laughs) a guarantee, which is kind of what you would want after. But, uh, you know, seeing experts and and having doctors that are looking into reasons. Um, so I feel like that's an aspect of this too. It just feels like there's so much unknown and you're just kind of mm-hmm. going in guessing. And that's that's really hard.
2: Yeah, it's it's almost, I guess, everything that we tell family and friends, they kind of have the opposite reaction that we have or that we're having the opposite reaction they'd expect us to. Because again, getting back all this, seemingly good news from fertility mm. doctors telling us like, no, no, everything's okay. Um, people think like, oh, that, that must give you hope, like things are going to be all right. It's like, well, that just means they're not finding something because why have we lost these babies so far? Um, and I, sure, maybe you can chalk three losses up to bad luck and we can go on to have living children. That's, it's still a possibility, but I'd almost rather have some bad news so that we knew what we were working with.
0: (laughs) Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And Amber, I also, um, all of my pregnancies were letrozole babies. And um, I like to joke that, well, it's a dark joke, but I am the most fertile infertile person because I don't ovulate. But whenever (laughs) I do do letrozole, I got pregnant. And so I felt felt, in like an in-between spot because I couldn't get pregnant on my own. I needed help, but I was getting pregnant quickly with the help when other people weren't getting pregnant with that same protocol. Yeah. Um, so it was like a weird, like most fertile infertile person. And it's a very confusing place to be. Uh, so solidarity, cause I, I know it's weird. <laughs> it's, it's weird for it not to happen without the medication, but then for it to seemingly happen quickly with it.
2: Yeah, it's a very weird in between place to be because you can't really connect with like all the people who are moving on to IVF and kind of a lot more intense protocols that they're dealing with, but also the people who just kind of you know oh my husband just looks at me and I get pregnant you know you don't you don't really fit into either of those worlds so it's it feels every every fertility story is unique but um, yeah I just feel like there's not really. Any kind of big established circle of people that have dealt with it in the same way we have. But,
0: yeah yeah, here yeah. Well, Amber, thank you so much for sharing your story. And I think it's worth mentioning that it's it's so important to share your story when you're in the middle of your story like you're doing because a lot mm-hmm. of times we wait until we're on the quote unquote other side to share. But I know that there are hundreds of people listening to this that are in the middle of their story, and they just want to feel less alone for. An hour and that's why they're here. So thank you for sharing your story. And I, I welcome you back at any time to share updates. Um, I hope it's only happy updates, but that would um, be great. <laughs> we, we would love to hear how your story is going in in the upcoming months. So please reach out whenever you are in a
1: place to share and there's space for you here. Sounds good. Thank you so much. This is great.